0: Be learning L'kutei Sichas, Sikas, the first Sicha for Hagasukis. This is a beautiful sicha. It's going to be taking a topic in nigla, and it's gonna explain it alpi nigla, and then it's gonna take the same topic, explain it alpi chasidis, and we will see how the beer alpihasidis not only is just a beautiful pshat on its own, but it actually gives and adds interpretation and explanation in the beer. Alpin alpin nigla. So even the nigla pshat will become uh, much more geschmack So let's uh, read it inside. So isa wumar So the gemara tells us some sacha Tanya, Rabbi Yehazar, Adam of Yem and tells us that just like a person is not Yitzi his on the first day of sukkah by using the Lolova of his friend, we know the lacha is. That the lulav needs to belong to the person shaking it. So on the first day of Sukkot, which is the chiv midaraisa, to shake lulav, it actually needs to belong to you and not to your friend. And the source is, And you should take for yourself, and we know the rule is, whatever it says, the word lachem, it always means that it has to belong to you. We, have, we find this by other mitzvahs like by tsits, it says l'cha, you shall make for yourself. So it tells us that, that the the needs to belong to you. It can't be a borrowed pair of titsis. So whatever it says l'haam or lacha, that means it needs to be yours. So just like we find by the by Luluf, that it needs to belong to you. So be says, Kach in adam Similarly a person will cannot fulfill his obligation with the suk of his friend. It says the sukkah, Chag the you should make for yourself. We know the rule again, that lacha always means it needs to belong to you. So the sukkah needs to belong to you for seven days. So therefore, for all seven days, you need to own your own sukkah. You cannot be using your friend's sukkah. That is the Pini Rabbali Yasser. Even though, it's true that the Allah is a person cannot fulfill his obligation on the first day of Sukkos using the love of his friend, but that is specifically laid by the love. But he can't fulfill his obligation with the suk of his friend. Because there's additional passage, that says, which is, says, all the citizens of Israel could live in Sukais, which teaches us that all the Yidin our right to live in one sukkah. Right, the word, uh, the beginning of the pasuk says teishu basukas, and over here it says yeshu. And we know the rule is whenever it says the lashana of teshuv or yeshu, um, it means in a, in a permanent way. Like when it says teshuv in a home or teshuv in a sukkah, teshuv in a uh, a type of structure, it always means in a permanent way. So it says all the Ezra could live. In a sukkah, that tells us that all Yedin are able to live in one sukkah for the entire week. Therefore, you'll be I'll be fine. Aye, so what are they going to use with the lacha? We know the rule is that lacha always means it needs to belong to you. So the answer is, this is miyutek zula siv kol azrach. This is only coming to exclude a stolen sukkah. Meaning is, but a borrowed sukkah will work because it says kol azrach. Everybody can live in the same sukkah. So obviously, uh, a shulah would work. And what is lecha? Lecha is just coming to exclude when it literally does not belong to you, when it's stolen. You don't have any permission to be there, you have no jurisdiction, no right to be in that sukkah, then that would be possible. The rabbi continues. Sukkah shaynei v'yei tz'adam de'chivasa The that even though a person cannot fulfill his obligation on the first day of Sukkahs with the dalaminim which were borrowed, because we need lacham, but the Sukkah is different, and a person could fulfill his obligation of the Sukkah for all seven days with a barat sukkah. So the right. So the simple interpretation, just by reading the Gemara, is like this. This is what you would think. Sh'atam la das Hay-ish. He's a simple interpretation is that the hold the reason why Yalati uses the Chacham is because we have the Pasuk Kola Ezrah. And Kola Ezrach is telling us and revealing to us that the word L'cha by the sukkah does not mean what it usually means. The usual rule is lacha means it needs to belong to you. So therefore, the par- Torah tar- comes and tells us the Pasukkala Ezrach that the, everybody can live in one sukkah, even though it's borrowed. So clearly, it's trying to tell you that the word lacha does not mean that it needs to belong to you. Aye, so why is the lacha there? That's only coming to exclude when it's literally stolen. Then that would not work. That's all it's coming to tell us. So that's how we learn the pshat. But you look at the Altar Rebbe Shulchan Arach, and you see how he explains this halacha, you'll see that he learns it differently. He says, even though the Torah says, and the word lacha that altar Rebbe tells us means that it needs to belong to you and not to your friend. So, again, Alta Rebbe is a lacha safer. He's not bringing questions and answers to the Gemara. So, clearly, he's learning that when it says lacha, it means that the sukkah needs to belong to you. So, he is still holding that idea. He says, Nonetheless, a person can fulfill his obligation with a borrowed sukkah because once he comes into it with permission, then it is like his. Why does it say lacha? So the Altaraba says, like the Gemara says, it's to exclude exula. So, so it's very clear from the Altaraba's words. He still holds on to that idea that when it says lacha, we follow the usual rule. The lacha means it needs to belong to. Ki nonetheless, you still fulfill your obligation with a borrowed sukkah, because even though it's borrowed, but since you have permission, therefore it is like his own. Okay? So when it says, The author actually doesn't quote that Pasek, which will be uh, something the rabbi Me'er will bring up. But nonetheless, the point is that it's telling you that you are allowed to use a borrowed sukkah, because the borrowed sukkah will be just like your own. But um, He says, according to the Alter reasoning, the reason why a person can fulfill his obligation of a borrowed sukkah is because when you borrow it, it's yours. It's not because the Pasuk, the Ezra comes to include also Shulah. That's not what the Alter said. The Alter Rebbe said, that when you borrow it, that's considered yours. So it, he's holding on to the idea, yes, Taka needs to belong to you. But when you borrow it, it is yours. So it's nothing to do with the Pasuk that the brought earlier, that Kola Ezrach is coming to include the She'ula. So in came lama of lulav shal mo'isatam le'fi she'ulah harikish If it's not because of an extra Pasuk, and it has to do with because borrowed belongs to you, so why can't you borrow a, a lulav of your friend? that also should be considered your own. So that's the, the the Rebbe's question is the comparison. Once the Alt-Rebbe says that borrowing is considered like your own, then also you should be able to use the Lulav. That's the question. But there's also an implied question is that doesn't fit so well with the the Gemara because the Gemara Chachamim are, um, I mean, that's really what the Rebbe's question is, that how can you explain that way in the Gemara? The Gemara itself is telling you that the Lulav doesn't work and the only reason why it works by the Sukkah is because we have a Pasach Of Kala Azrach. But the Pasha's, according to al Rebbe's way of learning, that he's saying Shu'ullah is like it belongs to you, that has nothing to do with the words Kala Azrach. And if it has nothing to do with the words Kala Azrach, then we should say the same thing by the Lolov. Okay. So. The 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 again just to recap, so the simple way of learning the Gemara is that the word called Azrah is coming to tell us that you do not need laha And the only reason why you have l'cha is to tell you that when it's literally not yours, it doesn't belong. But according to the Alta Rebbe is learning it, he's saying lacha still stays. It needs to belong to you. And then borrowed works because it does belong to you. I mean now we don't know. So what is the words called Azrah coming to teach us according to the Alta rabbah And also, if we're saying it has to do with that, it's borrowed, then also by a lulav, you should be able to borrow a lulav, and that should also work because it should be considered like yours. Base. So, <laughs> so the higher high yashif. siv Sif base. The higher yashif. should be gathered shule gufa. Yeshu needed to know muk lekamich luchem b'midas So the rabbi gives a balabatisha that the rabbi gives a more of a balabatish answer, which he's not going to keep, but he says the Pashtas, in the idea that it belongs to you. There's many different levels of how much. It needs to belong to you, right? There's belonging to that it's 100% in your ownership. Then there could be a situation where you have partnership with someone, right? You also have a certain level of ownership. There could be a situation where you lease um, a property or a item from somebody. So you also have certain rights. It doesn't 100% belong to you, but you have certain rights to it. Um, you could um, you could borrow from someone. You know, it could be a borrowing that you have the rights for a period of time that the person can't even take it back from you. Borrow it legally, that you get it for, let's say, 30 days, and for that period of time, he can't take it back because he lent it to But again, then you would have to return it to him after that period of time. So there's many different levels of shaloi belonging to you. So in we could say the difference between sukkah and lulav is what type of shaloi do you need? So in Pashtun, what type of shaloi do you need? So by Sukkah, it says Kala Ezrach. That's coming to tell you that when it says Lacha, you still need Lacha. But Kala Ezrach is coming to tell you that the Lacha is not on the highest level. It's actually on the, on the weakest level. Meaning is it needs to be yours, even if you're just borrowing it. When you're borrowing it, even though it's not mamish yours, but you have a certain jurisdiction over that period of time that you're allowed to use it. You know You can't sell it, you can't break it, but it's yours that you're allowed to use it. So the Kala Ha'ezrach, everybody can live in one sukkah. So that's telling us that if you can live in it, that means you're able to borrow it, but you still need to own it. How are you owning it? Because you have permission uh, to be in there. By lulav we don't have any I mean, we don't have a pasach called Azrach. Therefore, when it says Lachem, it means it needs to belong to you, literally, needs to belong to you in its most fullest and complete way, which that excludes even a borrowed luluf. So that's a very gushmaka b'sha'at. but it doesn't work so well with the al He says, because from the Lashen of the Al-Tarebbe, it implies that a borrowed sukkah is not just it's somewhat yours, but it's it's literally his. Let's look at the Alter Rebbe. He says, just to give a little recap, uh, as we mentioned, the rule is that Lachah comes to tell us that you're not allowed to use a stolen sukkah. So the Alter Rebbe goes into different Lachas, what would be considered stolen in this situation. So he tells us that for, uh, like a case of for sure where you would not be Yetz is, let's say a person built a sukkah mobile like he puts it on the back of his uh truck a sukkah and then you steal the truck with the sukkah so that would be literally stealing and you wouldn't be Ait'sy. but what happens if you stole if you you took your wood and you went onto your friend's property and you built your sukkah on your friend's property or even more than that you you your friend already built a sukkah on his own property then you kick the guy out you go into sukkah and then you use it so the rule is land can never be stolen. You can't steal somebody's land because he, he still has the deed on that piece of property. So it's not going to, you stole it, but it's not a complete uh, uh, stealing halakhically. I mean, of course, you'll be aver on, on, on a vera, but when it comes to different halakhas of, you know, paying paying kefil or uh, a lot of different halakhas where it's relevant to actually a full level of stealing, you can never steal the karka. Therefore, for example, let's say if the karka goes up in value or if produce starts growing in the karka, that will never belong to the Gazan himself because he never actually stole it. It'll always go back to the original owner because it's never considered stolen. But while it's relevant over here is that since you went into your friend's property and we have a rule, whatever's connected to the ground is like the ground. You went into to his soka, you kicked him out. It still belongs to your friend. You never actually stole it that it became yours that you stole and then you'd have to pay back the value or return the object. It always belongs to your friend. So therefore, he says, if you did such a thing, it actually would work because the sukkah is not considered stolen. It's it considered that it's in the original owner's possession and you just kind of, you know, kicked them out, but he, it still belongs to him. Can, if you stole like a movable object, like the a sukkah mobile, then it's literally inside of your possession and there are many different halachas. You know, if you change it and many different Allah, let's say you change the sukkah or different things happen, you actually wouldn't need to return the sukkah itself. You could return uh, the value of the sukkah and many, many details. But the point, what's relevant to us, is like this. Makam says, Nonetheless, you shouldn't sit in a sukkah in your friend's property because it's not called literally yours. Right? So, even though it's not stealing mamish, but on the other hand, it's not also literally yours. Because it is a form of stealing. The Torah says you should make it for yourself. It needs to belong to you. We said borrowing works. He said but it's not similar to, exactly to borrowing. Where it's literally. Because when you borrow something. With the other person's permission. That's considered literally yours. So it's not the lowest form. Like what we're trying to say is. Oh, oh the pastor teaches. That all you need is the lowest form of ownership. So when you steal. Steal the person's property—that should even work lechatqila. So, the was saying, no, 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 no. The pasuk is not telling you that you need the lowest sense of ownership. No, you need a proper level of ownership. It just is that when you're borrowing it, that is literally yours. It's kishaloy. It's literally like his for the sake of sukkah. So, he says, according to this, the reason why a person fulfills his obligation in a borrowed sukkah, it's not because. Uh, but by a sukkah, you don't need it to be shaloi mamish. And all you need is a little bit of a shaloi, Like the most minimum requirement. lefishi shu'u lahi mamish. Rather, as the Altebis says, that when you borrow it, it's literally yours. So do adu shenem So the question is, why do we say that lachem doesn't work by Dalamina? If we're saying that when you borrow something, it becomes literally yours... In the highest form, than even by Lulav and Esf, that's your work, not just by the Sukkah. So, there because of Givaldi Kapshat, and I will try to explain this to the best of my abilities. Uh, those who are using the project, look at the they have a whole booklet of A'aris of uh, B'urim over the years that different people have tried to give in this shtickle, and I'll, I'll just do my best to a way I understood it. So, we can possibly say like this. That the chidsh in the words kala Ezrich is not, as we said earlier, that you don't need to have it literally. You don't need a literal sholokha. is actually the exact opposite. So kala ezrach is not trying to be mismite and to weaken the Laha, as we originally thought. Rather, it's the other way around. It's, it's broadening the Laha. That the union of sukkah has a special uh, geder that on, on the union of sukkah even a borrowed sukkah is considered literally yours. Meaning, usually when you borrow something from someone else and he give, lets you use it, it doesn't become yours. You only have the right to use that item for however long for whatever he let you use it for. However long he wants you to use it, uh, however long he lets you use it for. Uh, but Masha'in came by sukkah, we have this special apostle, Kala Azrach, Everybody can live in one sukkah, is that everybody, That every person that's in the sukkah, even if it's just a borrowed sukkah, he's living in that sukkah literally. Yeshru, right? So we said Yeshu means B'kviyas. That every single person is literally living in that sukkah as if it's his half. But Yishleber has B'pashas. What's the pshat? Um, when a person lends a sukkah to his friend, he's lending it to him on condition that it will be literally like a permanent home for him, as it is like, as his permanent home. Because this is the gather of sukkah, shahag, right? As we said, that the way how you fulfill the mitzvah of Sukkot, is that you have to live in the sukkah as if it's your own home. So your sukkah is your home, that you can do whatever you want inside of it. So when a person's lending you his sukkah, what he's telling you is that you could do whatever you want. This is your home. You have like full jurisdiction on this home as if it was literally your own. <laughs> skipping the parentheses. <laughs> Therefore, when he lends it to him, it literally is. Because we have a rule that when you lend, that, that, that's the dust that the, borrow, the lender had when he gave it to him. You always have a rule that when a person's borrowing something for a mitzvah, the person lends it to him in the way that he'd be able to fulfill that mitzvah. So when you're lending the sukkah, he's obviously lending it to him for how the sukkah is supposed to be used. And the sukkah has to be used in a way that you're completely giving it to him. And that's what the Pasikola Azrach is teaching us, that all people could live in the same sukkah as if it's completely theirs why do you need a pasik to tell you that is because usually when a person has a home or any really any object you would think that if i'm living there and it's then i own it it's my possession you can't have two people owning something completely right if i'm if i own this item then you don't own it completely if I'm living here as if it's my own home and I have full jurisdiction, how can you at the same time also have full jurisdiction over this home? Only one of us has the full jurisdiction because it only belongs to one of us. So the Pasuk, Allah Azrich is telling us that we both can own it 100%, that we both can live inside this sukkah in a 100% way, as if is as if it's our regular house. That's what the chidosh of the Pasuk is. But Masha'in came by, lo love. we don't have such a Pasuk that tells you that when you give like, both of us can own the Lulav lo 100% of the way, we don't have such a pasach that tells us, that's a chidrish specifically by sukkah, that you could have many people, all yidin can live in one sukkah, and it's they all of them have the full jurisdiction, and they're living in it, in, it, in the complete shaloi way, that they literally can do whatever they want, uh, within it. To go back to the parentheses, in belulah tonight. this is, as I said, a lot of ink has been written about, what the Rebbe is trying to say over here, so the way I understand it is, he's just trying to explain, why this hezra Pashtas, doesn't work, uh, by, by Lulav and Asrik. Meaning is the first main point is we don't have a pasik by Lulav and Asrik. By sukkah we do. But now he's also trying to tell you that even in the beer in the pshat, of h- how it works by sukkah, it can't work that way by Lulav and Asrik. By a sukkah it could work that you can live there at, when a person's telling you to live in his home, he's giving you the full jurisdiction of living in the home because when you're lending the sukkah, the whole mitzvah of the sukkah is that we're living there uh, together because all all Yidden can live there together with the full jurisdiction as if it's their home. We don't have such a pasuk by lulav, and he says, and and what do we have by lulav? Lulav is just an item that when you lend it to your friend, you're not giving him full jurisdiction of it. All you're doing is you're giving him the capability to do the mitzvah. You shake the lulav and ask with it. That's it. As the as the Rebbe says, that by lulav, the idea that it needs to belong to him is just a condition. Meaning is. <laughs> By sukkah, when I'm, letting you live in, when I'm letting you live inside of that sukkah, what it means is you have full jurisdiction to do whatever you want inside of it. That is the mitzvah sukkah. So I'm letting you live in the sukkah. What am I telling you to do? I don't mean, you know, you can just eat there. It means do everything. Live there like you live in your home. It's completely yours. But by lulav, when you're giving to the person, it's, not when it's, it's being given over to him not to eat on it. <laughs> He's not allowed to eat on the sukkah. If you see, if you lend the lulav and the guy starts chopping it up, or starts eating on it, or starts doing things you don't want, like, give that back to me. It was never given to him with that type of permission. Rather, it was given to him to do, uh, to, sh- to shake the lulav and asterisk. Therefore, the when you're lending it to him, it's not automatic that it completely belongs to that individual. Rather, it was given to him for a particular purpose where the concept of a sukkah is that he's living there as if it's his own home. That is, like there's, if you tell someone you can live in the house and it's completely yours, just the only thing is you have to leave an hour a day, then it's not living in a home anymore. You're, that's the whole ged of the mitzvah is that it's his and you can do whatever he wants. But by lulav, the ged of the mitzvah is not what you could do whatever you want with the of and asterisk. Even if myself, I own my own of and asterisk, I don't chop it up and cut it up because then I've ruined the mitzvah. So the together, the mitzvah of lulav and itself is it's not that it completely belongs to you, but it has a particular purpose. I, this that it needs to, you need to own it. So that's a condition that whatever you're doing the mitzvah on, it needs to be something that belongs to you. I have to do the mitzvah of shaking lulav on on a lulav and asphik that belongs to me. Sukkah, the whole mitzvah is, it's not just a condition. Um, uh, to maybe explain it a bit better, that yitzur, l- Let's say you don't need to own your own lulav. So I could borrow my friend's the lulav, I shake it. Yeah, I did the mitzvah, fine. But by sukkah, if I let's say you don't need to own your own sukkah. So my friend lets me live in his sukkah. So even when I'm living in there, he tells me, but you can't, um, you know, you can only eat in my sukkah. Obviously, you know, you can't sleep here, you can't do drink here, you can't learn here, you can just eat. So I don't need to own the sukkah. But when I'm eating in that sukkah, it's not... I'm not fulfilling the mitzvah because I'm not living in there as if it's in my own home. So I'm, right? So the mitzvah is that you're living there in your own home. So even if he gives me permission to, to eat there, and I, it doesn't even need to belong to me, let's say that. So could still, I wouldn't be fulfilling the obligation because the whole mitzvah is to live there as if your own home. So if I'm not living there as if it's my own home, then I didn't do anything. Therefore, we're saying is, Kala Ezrach is teaching us, the chidosh of Kala Ezrach is, that you're able to give it to your friend at the same time that it belongs completely to you, because all yidin can live and have full jurisdiction of one home at the same time. And then the Has, Rebbe is just explaining, Hasbub Habdabur, how could such a thing be possible? Because when he's giving it to you, he's giving it to you in a way that it's completely yours, because that is the whole concept of the Sukkot. Hopefully, uh, that was clear. Avye'i uh, Gimel. So now let's give an added explanation of the primis He says from the pasuk we mentioned, we learned that all can live in one sukkah. He says so this is that he says the great qualities of the sukkah, all yidden become united as if they're one identity. Therefore, he says the rule, Pinigla, that all yidn can live in one sukkah, makes a lot of sense because since we're one person, we're one identity, then it literally is mine. So, it's beautiful. It needs to belong. Kala is telling us that the sukkah has the capability of uniting us as we're one person. So, once you're one person, then automatically it's Lacha. Beautiful. Kala Ezra says that we are one. Oh, Lacha tells it needs to belong to you. Oh, this does belong to you. Mashenke by Lovanas, by we don't have that concept. Arab is going to explain this in much more detail about this. The pasuk tells us that uh, the holiday which chagenu that we blow the shayfer. It says a pasuk at the that we blow the Shafer on the holiday where the bekessa where the where the moon is hidden. Which holiday is the moon hidden? Uh, that is on Rosh Hashanah because it's on Aleph Tishrei and the the sun, the moon is still hidden. Uh, well, at least for most of the time, during that holiday. It only becomes revealed because it's a brand new moon that, that's revealed on Rosh Hashanah. So, B'kassanim is referring to Rosh Hashanah. Anyways, by Alpi literally, it actually means that you'll blow the sheifer B'kassu at that point in time on the on the holiday. You're supposed to the blow the sheifer because it, which means that point in time. The Gemara tells of the Kassu Khosamin on the, which, on, the hol, on the holiday where the moon would be covered. By it means is that all the nyonun that happened in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is in the level of Kisui, covered. Right? So Pekasa, those things which were covered on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur become revealed on Yom Chagenu. So Pekasa, those with the strength are hidden for the purpose on, of the holiday which is called the Chag, which is Sukkis, at that point it becomes revealed. B'chag is Sukkis. Al now according to this, we can understand the difference in the Inyan of lacham by sukkah and lulav. Why a person be eats the sukkah but not the lulav? But before we do that, we're first going to explain how these nyanim are on Rosh Hashanah and and then we'll explain how they're re- revealed on Hashanah, on sukkahs, and that will explain the differences between sukkah and lulav. As I explained in a different place, in much detail at length, that the main ideas of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, um, there are three main points on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. First of all, after is the Mitzvah Sayyayim, Rosh Hashanah, Mitzvah Skiya Shefer, B'Yom HaKippur, Mitzvah Satayim, Mitzvah and Vidui. There's first of all the Mitzvah that you're supposed to do on that day. Rosh Hashanah, you blow the shofar, Yom Kippur, you fast, and there's Mitzvah of Tshuva and Vidui. The second point is that they're both part of the 10 days of tshuva. And we know that tshuva is higher than the mitzvah. And the proof is, Therefore a person can fix and fill this what he's lacking is in his avoidance of kime mitzvah. Since tshuva is higher, therefore it's able to fix that which you messed up. And Gimel and then there's the essential the, the essential uh, theme of the day which is actually even higher than the concept of chuva we have this is the request of Hashem and our Veda to make him our king to crown him Yom Kippur, the central, central theme is that the essence of the day actually brings us forgiveness. So this is a much higher level of Kippur that would happen through truva. Truva brings a certain level, level of forgiveness, but Yom Kippur, the essence of the day of Yom Kippur itself, brings a much higher level of truth that we would not be able to reach on our own. Right so whatever truva that we have we're limited therefore the kapar is limited but we're talking about the essence of Yom Kippur forgives that's a level of kapar which is much higher infinitely higher so vishleishin yonam ela <laughs> mevatem shleisha <So>, sugin beifen iskasrus vesach shol israel imakatech burg so these three ideas express three different levels of connection and unity that the ithan have with the shekh so efen eigenlijk who she shrol him kviach mit si smefnat bya shem kashunatz mulak <laughs> little The first level is that the Yidin Kaviyachal are their own identity, and they do certain acts which connects them to God. This way is that you create the connection and the unity, and that's expressed through something. Kima through fulfilling God's commandments. Through us accepting upon ourselves the yoke of heaven and fulfilling the mitzvahs, that gives us a connection. And this itself, there is even a deeper level. This is a scashrus of There is a more inner connection that is not dependent on the fulfillment of mitzvahs. God forbid removes the yoke of heaven from upon himself and transgresses Hashem's command. So he feels a very great pain and regret and he wants to fix it. So then he does tshuva. So this is a much deeper connection um, that we're able to fix, that we, that we feel uh, th- this burden of breaking the yoke and we're a- actually able to fix it. Maybe like a, a little muscle of it is, um, you know, uh, you know when, you, when you have a stranger, let's say you would get a job, Employee boss relationship, employee employer. So you have no relationship with this guy. The only relationship is I I'm gonna do certain work for you and you give me certain pay and that makes the connection. Before that we have no connection, we do certain things that makes us have a connection. If you do your job badly, then you get fired. I what happens if you come and you know, you come, you apologize, give me another chance. No, you don't really have a relationship with this guy. Why would he do that for you? Unless he you know unless it's advantageous for him the relationship is basically over at that point of time the second level is chuva meaning that's more like a family you 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 do things for each other that makes a stronger bond and when you go against what the other person wants that ruins the bond but there's always a much deeper connection over there and they still want that connection it's just that you keep on messing up so you go you apologize what can i do to fix it up and then you reconnect so that the reason why you're able to do chuva is because The connection never started because of the Akim hamitzis, or because of the what you're doing for each other. There was already a family connection there. There already was a bond. And what you do for each other on a day-to-day basis just strengthens it, or weakens it. If you're not, they're going to do it. So when you apologize, what you're really doing is you're just revealing that desire to have a connection that you both have already. He wants to have a connection. You want to have a connection. You messed it up, so you just have that capability to reconnect again. So same thing with Hashem. We already have a connection. So by doing tshuva... It's just revealing that deeper connection that we have. He says, He says, even this connection, even though it's very deep, uh, and it's a much d- deeper connection than fulfillment the, mitzvah, there's, there, there's, the fulfillment of the but still there's there's it's still shy to the fulfillment of mitzvahs. He said, The pain and the regret that you have by tshuva is that you didn't fulfill the commands of God. Therefore, you make the that going forward you will fulfill the fulfillment of the Gzeris the, the, the of Hashem. So, therefore, he's saying, Is even by tshuva, the connection is still based on. You're, you're, you're apologizing for what you did in the past that ruined the connection, but you, you, both of you really want to still have a relationship, therefore he's giving you a second chance. The second chance to do what? Second chance to act properly on a day-to-day basis with your deeds, with the deeds. So even by tshuva, there's still a very strong connection to the person's deeds. So it's higher than the deeds, but still the connection has to be revealed. What the tshuva is that you should have another chance to make the, the day-to-day type of connection through one's deeds. So the Peshat is that, since how are you making the connection, the Chlata is to do what Hashem wants. So the Peshat is that you're your own identity, um, that you're your own identity, and you're doing what Hashem wants, and you're connecting to Hashem. So the fulfillment of the deeds is really just strengthening uh, that bond. So yes, it's true that by true that reveals that there always was a bond there. But the what the bond is doing is, it's just giving you a chance to make and redo the relationship that both of you have by fixing your deeds. The deepest level is the connection that Yisrael and Hashem are one. You are one You are one identity. And, and this, I guess, this is almost in a sense like self-love or, or a love of, a, of, a, of a, like a parent for a child. Um, that's really regardless, I'd say your self-love, like regardless of what you do, you still always love yourself. All right? You don't need to ask yourself forgiveness. He's saying, you know what? I regret all those things I did in the past. I really got to, you always love yourself. Um, the only thing is maybe you want to be more true to yourself like, like you make a lot of yourself I'm gonna do a B and C and that will give you much greater life and Then you don't fulfill it. So in a sense you damage yourself So when you do tshuva, Or when you when you're trying to fix what you've done You're not really you the, the bond was never ruined Yes, you might want to fix in the future whatever hot is you did because you know that'll make you have a better life or whatever it is but there's that connection that you have to yourself has never changed. It's still the same self love you always had. It didn't get ruined or weakened. And if you decide not to go forward with whatever akhlat it is, and you decide to do something else, the self love is still there, as as uh, as we can understand that. And and uh, truthfully, this is how it's also supposed to be with the parent and the child. Uh, and it's maybe essentially it is, even though, you know, maybe not always is that so revealed. But essentially, that's also how a parent feels with about a child. But definitely, the parent. It's not. It's not as uh, emphasized as as with self love. Anyways, it says this connection is expressed through the request from Hashem and our void of crowning Hashem as king, that we are awake and we and we make Hashem our king upon us. It's, This, that, uh, the connection of Yidin and Hashem through Torah Mitzvah or even through Tshuva is only once we've accepted Hashem as a king, then we have these avaitas. First, you need to have the connection. You're our king. Then we can fulfill what you want. We're also able to do Tshuva. 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 Fine. He says, "Before you made Hashem King, before you, then why do you feel any lack? That oh, there's something lacking in our relationship. That you don't have a relationship. It's like a relationship with a stranger. Why would you feel anything which is lacking? He's not your King yet. So why? So why is it that we're asking Hashem to be King? There's nothing lacking that would cause us to make us want Hashem to be King." The reasoning is because the Yid and Hashem are really one essence. And therefore, we are unable to be God forbid without a king. So when we're requesting for a king, it's really revealing that within our souls we feel something which is lacking, because there's something there which is missing, because we have that relationship. And therefore, we're we're searching for it. You know, maybe an example for that would be like a, let's say, a child that was sent away for adoption or never knew who his parents were. So you think, oh, he never had a relationship with his parents, so why would he feel anything missing? He never had that relationship. But the truth is, no, he does have a relationship, but at some point, this is his parents, and there's always going to be that connection there, even if they ever spoke or never saw each other. Therefore, the child always feels missing, like, where are my parents? So similarly over here, we are, are one with Hashem, and therefore we are feeling this lack of relationship. So it was never based on deed. So moving Therefore, we under can understand why by the fulfillment of mitzvist there's differences between one yid and another. And similarly, by chuva, even though it's a much lesser, the differences are less, but even by chuva, there are different levels of chuva. He says, There is no differences between the B'nai Yisrael. We all are crowning the king, Shem king in the same way. That crowning the king means that I'm accepting your yoke, that you're making us king, and we're going to accept whatever you tell us to do we're all doing exactly the same thing we're saying hashem will be our leader and we will do whatever he wants just like he gives an example of of crowning a regular king the bitl that everybody shows to the king that he's going to be able to run their lives and he has full control over you that's the same by a, 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 a minister to a simple person they have the same level of bitl, they're giving up the same amount to the king but after the king becomes is crowned and he starts making rules then there's a lot of differences Right. Certain people have to do a the, 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 the ministers have uh, you know other obligations and different rules and different people in different parts of the country might have different tax laws might have different rules. everybody has different rules. Uh, I mean, and also if you go against what Hashem wants, it's it's they have to do true for different things. If the Tsar goes against what a king wants, that means he went against he, he didn't fulfill whatever his obligations was so the truth that he's doing is, Truva for what he did wrong. While each pasha had a different obligation, you know, obviously he's doing tshuva also for something different. He says, all He says, since the quality of the connection that is made, that's done and made through the Bnei Yisrael, is how they are." on their own, as they feel as their own identity, that we are something separate and we're trying to connect to Hashem. That is how kiyom are. We're doing what Hashem wants. Therefore, he says, the kiyom and the kabal sol of every different is connected to who you are as an individual. So relative to your mandraga, that's how you're going to connect. right? You could have the people who are oylai taira that spend most of the time learning, and you could have the, 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 the baal esik that spend most of his time working and giving sadaka everybody, depending who they are, that's how they're going to connect to Hashem, and it's very different. He says, by tshuva, which comes from a much deeper connection, which is not formed, that connection is not through the fulfillment of mitzvah, as I explained earlier, that's why chuva could work. There's not so much, There's the difference isn't as great, right? Because essentially it's Hashem wants that bond, it's like a relationship. And Hashem wants that relationship equally with every single yid. So inside the relationship aspect, Hashem doesn't really care. You know, it's like a father with a bunch of children. Each child might be different and he expects the child to do different things. And they have different expectations for different children. And the way how the child might make the father happy, each child makes the father happy in their own way. But when they go against what the father wants and they do tshuva, they all have that opportunity, ability to do tshuva because he really has that same love for each of them. So in that sense, it's, it's the same. As we see that tshuva be done even just with a thought of tshuva in one moment. One moment you're able to do tshuva because tshuva just means is that you want to return to Hashem. In one moment you're able to return and f- ch- change your life around. Nonetheless there are differences because first of all this is tshuva's on the veris that you did. And the fi erach, according to the, what type of vera you did, that's the type of tshuva. If you did a very vera, you're gonna to have to do tshuva on that. If it was a more a lighter type of vera, that's a different, the tshuva might not be, tshuva is on that. First of all, it's on and different types of things, because everybody might have done. A person who did vera A is asking forgiveness for a vera A that he did, while person B would be asking for something else. And he also says there's a difference of returning the neshama to its source. Uh, so again, depending on how deep that level of tshuva is, that's how far your neshama will return. And also, I guess, at least on a more basic level, everybody has a different source of his neshama. Essentially, every source is from the essence of God. And I guess the deepest level of tshuva, everybody will reach that. That's We're going to explain about the mechabe, the essence of Yib-Kippur, everyone reaches the service. But on a more basic level, everybody's neshama has its own source. Some come from the level of chachma, some come from the level of bina. So also the tshuva will be different. So in deme, uh, people aren't similar, demelureyam. About Tanuchulni Aleichem Kevin Shmuzayin VeMekach Shisal Kadosh Baruch Hu Me'atzim Kuleicha, but when crying Shem is King, this comes from the idea that the Yid and Hashem are essentially one. Harak Shem Shem Mokla Hafri L'Chalak Be'Benay Yisrael V'Kadosh Baruch Hu Ke'ach Yevshel L'Chalak Be'Ifan Ekishu Ichud Be'Yehudi Echlerayu D'var Zech Kal Yisrael Katzim Echad Shemayis Chalkez. It's just like we are unable to differentiate, and make separation between Hashem and God in our essence. Similarly, it's impossible to make a differentiation in the type of connection between one Yid and Hashem. In this sense, all ye are literally one essence, there is no division, right? There is no division. This is the essential love um, that is, is equal um, for all, like a father who loves all of his sons uh, equally. That essential love for all of his kids will be there. Yes, there might be other types of relationship a father would want. There's the day-to-day type of relationship, which is this There's the need of chuva when the sons might go against what their father wants, and there makes a strain on that regular relationship, and he gives the capability to fix it. But then there's that essential love, which is always going to be the same for all of his kids. Hey, so generally, a we said we find all three in yanim, like the, uh, the of mitzvah, the of tshuva, and the of the. Essence, essence of the day, you find that by Yotze Shana Yom Kippur, but Har Yom Kippur So each, but he says, if you go in a more general way, if you look at the Yom Tevim as a klal, you can see that each Yom Tev is more really relevant to another one. Right, Rosh Hashanah is going to be more re- relevant to the essential connection. Your know, people will be more connected to the tshuva connection, while Sukus is going to be more connected to the kimimimitzis type connection. Says, Rosh Hashanah, the thing that stands out revealed, is that it's the head of the year, meaning, is this is the time that we crown Hashem as king? Like the Rassag, Rassag Yagan writes, that the first inyin, he gives many reasons why we blow the He says the first inyin, meaning is the most important inyin of the blowing of the sheifer, is because we're crowning Hashem as king. So the reason why we blow the shaifer is that it's part of the process of the coronation. The thing that stands out is that it's a day of forgiveness. Even more than that, he says even more than that. even more than that. Even we said earlier that the essence of Yom Kippur, the essential connection that Yom Kippur reveals uh, between Hashem and the Yidden, is that the yom uh, mechap. He says even that itself is has to do with forgiveness. That the sumachol yom is expressed. Through forgiving the Jewish people, meaning is it's this like a father can forgive his child for everything and completely cleanse anything that was done, but still it has to do with the idea of cleansing. And then we have Chagasukas, who was uh, manched Israel to megala became mitzvah sukkah, sukkah take lachayim Chagasukas. So Chagasukas, of course, is that the Yidid are in a revealed way working on doing mitzvahs. They're building the sukkah, sitting in the sukkah, taking the Dalaminim, They're constantly working in mitzvahs right after. Yom Kippurim, and it's, as you look at the name, it's Chag Asukis. It's a Chag. the The, the holiday itself is called by a mitzvah. Chag the holiday itself is called by that by a mitzvah. Yom Kippurim is called by the name of Kippur, or Rosh Hashanah means the head. Head meaning is making Hashem the head of, of of the year, or at the head of the year you have to crown the king. Vav. He says, since everything that it was happening or shem Kippur in a hidden way is revealed on sukkas, so move it. He says, true, the main idea and a revealed way of studying sukkas is the fulfillment of mitzvahs, but nonetheless, all three nyanim will be revealed also on. On on, uh, on Just like on Shani Yom Kippur, you have the essential Indian of the day and the Indian of Chuva. He says you have. All three and young. First of all, it says the ten days of repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So, it's since it's called between. First of all, it's ten days, so we know there's an inyan of tshuva for all ten days. But it also says this idea that it's between these two things, meaning, I mean, literally it means is between from when Rosh Hashanah starts to Yom Kippur finishes. But it's also telling you that the inyan of tshuva is something which happens. Um. um Something that happens in between that period of time, that it's like a, a, it sounds like that it's something which is not as high as I was saying. That they're part of, that even though they're part of the 10 days of Tshuva, nonetheless, he calls it the days which are in between these two periods. Meaning as Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is not part of, as if it's like but not part of the Saresume Shuvah. Right? In on one hand it says it's ten days, on the other hand it says it's between. Why does it say that? Because it's part of it, on the other hand it's between because it's really something which is higher than it. And then you, of course you have the third union which is the Mitzyym Mashashana is Belong the Shafer. Yom Kapuram is fasting and Shuvah. Um, so we also have these three nyaramovs. of the 15th day of the 7th month is a holiday of sukkas for 7 days to God. The holiday of sukkas you should make for yourself for 7 days. The mitzvah sitting in the sukkah says you should sit in the sukkahs for 7 days. He says it, in all these sukkahs it doesn't say anything special about these days. It just says that it's a holiday of sukkas, that you're sitting for 7 days which means is that the essential union of sukkah is the mitzvah of sukkah. The essential concept of sukkah, like the tzuma shoyem chaper, the union of tamal kuni on sukkah, is the sukkah itself. Because that's what the yomtiv is called. It doesn't say that there is something else there that, oh, this is a special day, plus you do the sukkah on it. The ho- it itself is called the holiday of sukkah. Seven days you're sitting in the sukkah. That's one pasach. Or the holiday of sukkas you should make for yourself. Meaning is that the essence of these days is the sukkah. As the Rebbe will explain, By the minute, da- l- 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 it says you should take on the first day of sukkas, the pre e so it's clear that the dalam minim is not the essence of the day. Rather, on the first day of Sukkot, you're supposed to do this mitzvah. Meaning is there's the holiday of the Sukkot, right? So clearly, Sukkot is the holiday, and then on that holiday, on the first day, you do this act of taking the dalam minim. So that would be, uh, you know, a specific mitzvah, not the essence. And then we have hamshichah mitzvah salam minim nemar mitzvah he hasimcha um, then, then we, then the passage continues that uh, after taking the salt, it says you're supposed to rejoice in front of Hashem for seven days. This is, of course, the mitzvah of joy. There's a mitzvah simcha on, on the holiday of Sukkot. So again, it's not the essence of the thing, but it says during this holiday you're supposed to rejoice. So simcha is something that you have during Sukkot, but it's not the essence of what Sukkot is about. Hey, move it. That, according to explain, that the essential connection that Yidden Hashem have, that we are one. So he says the union that we said earlier that Rosh Hashanah, what that that which stands out is the union of Tamuchuni That's the essence. So that becomes begiloi through the essential idea of Sukkah, which is the union of Sukkah itself. The of Chuv, which is the main of Yom Kippur, is revealed through the mitzvah Lulav. The connection that Eden and Hashem have through fulfillment of the mitzvah is revealed through the Simcha, the mitzvah of Simcha. Zayin hasbuzet pshat. What does this mean? In Chalukim ben Okay, Mishabba, explained earlier that the of is that there's no differences between one Yid and the next. We all crown the king and accepting his maachos the same. This idea comes in a revealed way through the mitzvah of Sukkah, because all Yid and sit in one Sukkah. Meaning is that there's no differences between them. We are living in the Sukkah together. That one same Sukkah, and in the same way, we're all living in a full way. Right? In a kvizdik way, we all have full jurisdiction. Regarding little of us, it says you should take on the first day. So who, who is this referring to? So the Medjus tells us this is the Yidin and the Goim that come to Hashem, that Hashem judge them, sorry, Yom Kippurim. We don't know who won the court case. So, so Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu, So Hashem tells you, take the Lulav And everybody, by, by you taking the Lulav That shows that you won right? So the Lulav, taking the Lulav On Esther, that's part of the celebration Of winning, in a sense, the judgment That happens on Yom Kippur So the so, That the forgiveness that happens On Yom Kippur, that the Yidim were forgiven Is revealed through the taking of that Alaminim, As the Medrash says, that Hashem says You want to know, if you were Zeche B'din take 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 the uh, lulav and in that verse the line comes as didon natzach uh, and you call out didon natzach we want mitzvah simcha chag you know simcha mitzvah here givish schascha is wrong kish beruch shedekim mitzvas amara tnuah sh simcha its ben simcha ben tzsacha simcha chag the idea is not just simcha stalozai but it's a simcha that we have this mitzvah this is the revealed this is a revelation of the connection that we have with the sham through the fulfillment of the mitzvah which awakens within us this feeling of joy by the B'nai Isra, that we have the capability to do mitzvahs and have a meaningful relationship in a pneumistic way, not just essentially we have a connection, but in our day-to-day lives we're able to live with Hashem. So this is the joy becomes with mitzvahs Hashem is that we're able in our day-to-day lives not to have barren un- days that have no meaning to it, but every moment I do a mitzvah or I do some this, this makes my life meaningful, this makes my life a way that I can connect with Hashem not brings joy. Sef Chas. now we can understand the difference in the din of lulav and sukka. Kavenchus sukka ya gili shatam lekhuni alaychem. Shohayah spinach raw or kadersbrocho etemachad. Moving kanashvin in zay imaklan lekhilp ben yuder achla gavar. Says, "Court now we can understand this din much better." He says the whole idea of the sukka is is to reveal this connection that we have with Hashem that the Yidin and Hashem are one, meaning is all the Jewish people and Hashem are one. So of course, that means that there's also, there's no differences between one Yid and the next. Therefore, we can all sit in the same sukkah because we're all one individual, we're all the same one. That the quality and the greatness of sukkah, all the Yidin are standing with an essential unity, not just a formed and created unity, but it's a unity how we truly are one. It's not that there's two separate things that become one. Rather, all you that are truthfully one being. That's why by a borrowed sukkah it's his, and more than that, it's literally his. That's why by sukkah it unites all Yidin to be one identity. Because it's impossible to differentiate between one Yid and the next. And say, oh, this sukkah doesn't belong to you. Because the whole purpose of the sukkah is that it's revealing how you and him are really one. So automatically, both of you have the, the full jurisdiction. So it's not just a halachic full jurisdiction. Since you're literally one person, then automatically, that jurisdiction that both of you have comes so the mitzvah sukkah is that it belongs to you, and you have full jurisdiction, and you're living there like how you'd live in your own home, where in your own home you have full jurisdiction. That happens because you all are, are, are one. Aye, why about stealing? He says, when you steal the sukkah from your friend, then that act is literally going against the unity of the sukkah. The whole purpose of the sukkah is to unite, and then you steal it from your friend. Therefore, you create uh, a period in in this unity, and therefore, you cannot call it shulay. Meaning is, if you, it always has b'chir So even in the mitzvah of sukkah, which is to unite you, you still have that free choice to separate yourself from Kalal yisrael. Even with this essential connection, you can always break yourself away. Power of b'chirachatshes uh, that we have. So when you stole it, you basically broke that connection, and therefore it's not anymore called yours. So look at R thirty nine. This explains why when you steal something, steal the sukkah. This is a psal which is even in the walls. If you steal the wall, if the stall, st- the walls of the sukkah are stolen, it's also pasul Usually, all the lachis about kosher or pasal applies only by by the schach, only by the schach. Um, Masha'in came by the walls, where it does not apply. But this halachic idea of that it needs to belong to you, it does apply. He galzuhu hapach. this is tadur ke'in, because the union of stealing is the opposite of living in a stick way. Right, if you can be kicked out of your home at any moment, you obviously don't have jurisdiction, and this is, of course, against the whole idea of the sukkah. But these things is only regarding the sukkah. By the dal and minim, um, even though by the dal and minim, it also expresses unity of the Jewish people. Right, we're taking the, the four species of the lulav, and the asterisk uh, represent the four different types of yidin, as it's known, famous medrash, and we put them all together. But nonetheless, it's a unity that four different groups are becoming one. So it's still four different groups, it's just that we're uniting and becoming one for the common purpose, but there's still differences between us. Because the mitzvah of Dal and Minim reveals the Forgiveness that happened in Yom Kippur. So just like by forgiveness, there's differences. He says, even though the, uh, the idea of forgiveness and tshuva is really higher than division, it's because of the relationship you have, that's why you can have tshuva. But every person is being, is being forgiven for whatever he did wrong, or for whatever however way he messed up his relationship with Hashem. So, similar over here. where each individual still remaining separate. So, yes, we're all having a unity, but we're having a unity, each of us, according to who we are. So, I'm giving over whatever my capabilities are, my friend is giving over whatever his capabilities are, and all together we're calling to serve Hashem, but we're still remaining different. Therefore, by the dal minum, you can't say if you borrowed it, it's like it's yours, because you're always remaining a separate mitsiis. That's the purpose of sukkah. Is that even as uh, purpose of lulav? Is that even as how you are as a separate individual, you're still uniting. But the point is that you're separate. So if you use your friend's dal minum, then you're not actually. Um, that that's not who you are. That's who your friend is. You can't use your friend's thing. You have to be who you are. Now we can understand by Sukkot it says, which we said, both of that mean that it needs to belong to. by Sukkot it says in Yachid that the Sukkah you should make for yourself, like each individual, it says an individual. While by Dalaminim it says, all of you should take. that all the Jewish people, again, as individuals, need to take. But it says at lachem that all of you should take for yourself. So why is that? He says, "B'sukkah, k'ol b'nei Yisroam etziyas achas kuguf achad, b'dibur l'guf achad yesh l'inka b'lashon yachid." He says, because by Sukkah all the Yidden are one identity, they're one body. Therefore, when you speak to one person, you use the lashon Right, where we all remain our own identity it's just that we're putting it all together so then you're speaking to all the Jewish people as individuals then you're going to say l'chan because you're speaking to many individuals so you say you, plural, all of you when you're speaking to when the Jewish people are one there's not many people there there's one person there so you say now of course even by the Dalamin, and there's this union of connection and unity. Then the third thing of Sukkos comes, the union of Simcha. This expresses the connection that we have through Hashem, through Mitzvah. The third thing on Sukkos is the idea of joy, and then we literally find many differences, even uh, by the B'nai Yisrael, literally how they fulfilled this union of Simcha. And we know that by the Simcha space Shaiva that was in the base Migdash, it says that the Chassidim and the Ma'at would be dancing, that the regular man, the woman, would come to see and to hear. So people were doing different things, they were expressing their Simcha in different ways and different levels of joy, which that's the idea of the...